What you guys really do is amazing how you speak life into young people. That's amazing. Winning becomes a culture, and you guys have created a culture of winning. It's all about who you run with. It's about extreme accountability, doing what you're going to say and saying what you're going to do. Every daily rhythm that you're doing, right, that has a compounding effect. That's number one. Number two is never stop learning. Learners are earners. I never stop learning, ever. There's so many ways for you to learn and scale. I'm constantly working on myself. I always have the long game in mind. The most successful people that I know are addicted to delayed gratification. My wife and I have a saying, we will do today what others won't so we can live tomorrow the way others can. My name is Luke Edwin, and the voice you just heard is my dad, John Edwin. I'm lucky to have grown up with such an amazing role model, someone who's been great at just about everything he's done in his life, from running hurdles in college, to selling Cutco, to building his personal training business, to investing in real estate, and most importantly, being someone who I can look up to as what a husband and father should act and look like. My dad is the person that I look up to the most for many reasons, but especially for three things. His unparalleled work ethic, his selfless compassion to be there for others, and his thirst to learn new things and expand on his current knowledge. I believe it's easy for many people when they become successful to also become complacent, but that's not my dad. His way of life inspires me to carry on his traditions in our family. My dad is the ideal example of personal and professional success, and his path is one that anyone can follow. Working hard, aligning with others, always learning, and living with the daily discipline to do what you'll say you'll do. You'll hear this and more from my dad today, and I'm excited for the takeaways that you will receive because they can change your life. I'm grateful to be able to introduce this podcast conversation today on Changing Lives, Selling Knives with my dad, John Edwin. Welcome to Changing Lives, Selling Knives. I'm your host, Dan Cassetta. There's a generation of entrepreneurs and business leaders out there right now who are positively impacting the world using lessons and skills that they first learned from selling Cutco knives with Vector Marketing Corporation. This podcast was created to share inspiring stories from Cutco's most prominent alumni and current leaders. On this show, you'll meet successful entrepreneurs, best-selling authors, superstar business executives, and transformational leaders from many walks of life. All our guests will have two things in common. One, they're all changing lives today through their work and their influence. And two, they all started out selling Cutco knives when they were younger. The lessons of the Cutco Vector experience are numerous, are compelling, and are real-world concepts for business and life. Through hearing real-life stories and hands-on experiences, you'll gain insights that can help you in whatever it is that you do in life. Thanks for pressing play. Let's get on with today's episode. Welcome, everybody. I have an amazing guest today that I'm really excited to introduce to this audience. His name is John Edwin. John sold Cutco back in the mid-late 90s, worked with Earl Kelly, our current Northeast region manager. John advanced as far as branch manager during his time with the company. And interestingly enough, John's son, Luke, is currently working with Cutco and is a branch manager right now in the summer of 2023 as we record this. After college, John got into personal training where he had some immense success that we're going to detail during this conversation today. He built a massive personal training operation, a brick and mortar operation that became one of the most successful operations on the East Coast. This all led John into real estate investing and real estate development. And that is where he has had the majority of his financial success over the past few years. And he has reached a point of complete financial independence through his real estate holdings. John also leads the tri-state chapter of GoBundance, which is an amazing tribe of leaders all throughout the United States and the world now. He's on the board of directors of GoBundance. And 
John was one of the co-authors of Cutting Edge Sales, which is a book that 15 of us wrote back in 2009 in a project spearheaded by John Berghoff. John was one of the co-authors that wrote a chapter in there, along with me and many other amazing individuals. John Edwin, welcome to the podcast, my friend. Dan Cassetta, thank you so much for having me. Guys, I am incredibly excited. I have been looking forward to being on this podcast for a long time. Funny story, Dan asked me probably a year ago from Johnny Kane. John Kane wanted wanted me to get on. And for whatever reason, we had technical difficulties, but today is the day. Yes, it is. And uh, it's been a long time coming and I've definitely been looking forward to this. So John, some quick background on you and your family to start. Yeah, absolutely. I grew up in uh, in the inner city of Philadelphia. I actually married my high school sweetheart, guys, which is very unusual. My wife, Christine, and I started dating at 16. Uh, she was the cheer captain. I was a football player and a track runner. And now we have three amazing kids. We've been married for almost 23 years. We got married at 21 years old. And we had our first, who's Luke, who's doing really well, top 10 branch in the country. He's 19 now. And our daughter, Sylvie, just turned 17. Our youngest son, Caleb, is 14. He'll be turning 15 this summer. And uh, it's just been an amazing ride. And I am grateful for my life. And it's great to see uh, your oldest uh, working with Cutco Vector now. And he was one of the top reps in the nation last summer, right? I think yeah. he was a college All-American or something pretty yep. pretty illustrious yep. last summer. He's, I know he sold over 50 grand at this point and uh, running his branch here in the summer of 2023. Pretty cool. So I have worked really hard to make sure that all three of my kids will sell Cutco. And I said this to him last year. I said, listen, I don't care if you sell one knife. You got to do a minimum of 100 demos minimum this summer because he only had six weeks. He was, a high, he was graduating high school, so he started in July. I said, you got to do a minimum of 100 demos. And the whole goal is to literally speak to other adults, make calls, set appointments, and get in front of people that alone is going to put you light years ahead of other 18-year-olds. Amazing. I love hearing that. And it's great to see the success that Luke is having. And uh, we'll look forward to seeing two more of the Edwin crew That's right. uh, on the team in the years ahead. Funny story. Our daughter, Sylvie, who's now in 11th grade, she doesn't want me to give any more referrals to Luke for sales. She wants me <laughs> to be holding them for when she graduates. <laughs> uh, that's funny. That is cool. Nice. Well, take us back to 1996 and how you got started with Cutco, John. Yeah. So it was actually during winter break and I was dead broke. I was 18. I was a freshman in college at Liberty University and uh, I was driving down the street and I saw a sign and I you turned my car around because it said like student work or, you know, 12 or $13 an hour. I don't know what it said, but I took the number down and called and man, I got in for an interview with Earl Kelly, amazing guy. And it's interesting, Earl and John Kane have become two of my best friends now, 25 years later, but got in front of Earl and did an interview. I was really excited about the position. So I, I literally had seven days left. So I didn't have a true 10 day fast start. I had like seven days left in my, in my winter break, and uh, but still did well during those seven days. And then that summer came back, sold all summer. And then the following year, I ran a branch office. Yeah. Outstanding. Tell me about some of the experiences that stand out for you over those couple of years. Well, <laughs> one of the things that I look back on that I absolutely loved were those conferences, the SC conferences and, and all that. And the incredible amount of recognition that uh, Vector Cutco does with their reps, because what you guys really do is amazing how you speak life into young people. That's amazing. Speaking life into young people. And even when a, when a young person sells their first thousand and then their first 5,000 and then the 10,000, it's just all these little awards that it's like playing sports, you know, like I grew up playing sports. I was a division one athlete. And it's just, it's just like the same thing. Like winning becomes a culture and you guys have created a culture of winning. Mm. I love hearing someone with as illustrious of achievements as you have talking about that. 
because that is absolutely one of the key things I think that makes Cutco Vector such an amazing place is the winning culture that is established, the mindsets that people develop while working here. We're going to talk at some point here about your work doing personal training. And I'm sure we'll get into the idea that it's a lot more than just physical teaching that happens, physical development that happens, but it's mental development as well. And that's a big part of what we try to do here at Cutco. What are some lessons from those couple of years that you feel like you're applying even to this day in your life? Great question. The first lesson is is hard work, right? I mean, listen, <laughs> selling knives and running a branch and all of that, none of that's easy. By the way, it's very simple, but it's not easy. And if you follow the blueprint that Cutco has, literally a blueprint, like I know there's young people listening right now, and I want you to understand you are not smarter than this system that's been in place for 50 some years. Like there's a system that they will give you. It's a playbook. And if you follow it, look, you're not going to have a sale every time. That's just not going to happen. But if you follow that playbook, you will be successful with the company. So one of the things that really helped impact my life, I would say, is my branch summer where I was waking up at four o'clock in the morning. And Dan, this is back then when you were going to colleges and chalking on the the boards. I don't know if you guys are still doing that or able to do it, but I used to go through the couple different colleges in my town and literally write on every chalkboard I could. And then I would would interview young people. and, And I was young too, right? I was 19 then and train them and launch them and help them through their different issues. And you wear a lot of hats when you become a branch manager, right? So you're an interviewer here, you're you're a life coach, you're a sales coach, you teach people how to communicate with others, you teach your reps how to handle objections, and there's so many different objections. So, I mean, it really prepares you for life, and especially if you plan on running your own business in the future outside of Cutco Vector, there's definitely so many life lessons that you're taught during even those couple years that college will never teach you. For sure. I think about, of course, the work ethic side and then all of the people management that you described and all the ways that we have to learn how to deal with people in different aspects in our life. And we get to do that with dozens of people over the course of a branch experience and all sorts of, you know, dozens of people, maybe hundreds of different settings and challenges and experiences and all that. And then also like, I feel like John running a branch is hard, right? Like Luke's in it right now, your son, and and maybe you're seeing this, but it doesn't always go exactly the way you want it to, right? There's difficulty a lot of times. And what I tell branch managers every summer is it doesn't matter how much you've sold at the end of the summer. We are proud of you for taking on the challenge of doing this because most people would shy away from it in the first place. And there's a lot that you learn by putting yourself in a challenging situation and then working through it as you're progressing, right? Dealing with it, learning to deal with that. So I feel like those are some of the valuable lessons I got from being a branch manager as well. Yeah. I mean, and I'm not going to say being a sales rep is easy. It's not, but you can control you, right? When you're a branch manager, everyone else is your age or older. And now you're trying to help them, but you can't control what they're going to do, right? So if they're going to go out and party and drink and not phone jam and not set appointments and they're going to screw around because it's their summer, you can't control that. What you can control, though, are those high flyers, that PDI. I love that you guys have this PDI thing where people have to check in every day because that gives you an opportunity to touch and make an impact on those people who are looking to actually like come out of whatever situation they're in. And that's what's exciting about being a branch is that you're able to impact other people on a larger scale. You know, being a rep is one thing, you control it. Being a branch, now you have to learn to manage and lead people. Yeah, and with those reps who are more difficult to get going, you have to learn to motivate and inspire. And I think that there's so many direct correlations between that and parenting that you develop through that process because your kids won't always want to do what you want them to do. In fact, 
Most of the time they don't, right? <laughs> they want to do other things. Yeah. Um, and you've got to learn how to use the right words and the right tone and the right timing and all those things. And it's all stuff that you get to practice, you know, as a leader, as a manager, particularly as a branch manager in, uh, in Vector Cutco. And the beautiful thing behind that, Dan, is, is that you learn to deal with the individual, right? There's no cookie cut way to manage people. Everything has to be tailor made per rep, right? Because one rep gets motivated by money. The other rep gets motivated by awards or whatever it is. It could even just be they get motivated by working hard. So it, there's just like you said, parenting, each one of my kids, I parent differently because their, their personalities are so different. Right. And uh, an insight I could offer here as well is that we have a chance to shape what motivates people. So at the start, I do think that there are people that are motivated by money. There are people that are motivated by competition. There are people that are motivated by a job well done, right? I think the longer people are with Cutco though, we can sort of teach them that internal motivation, the motivation to do the job well, the motivation to bring your best to everything you do, Mm. that should be cultivated and established because money won't always be motivating. Once you reach a certain level of achievement, it stops becoming any more motivating. And it's the same with uh, other sort of um, tangible rewards of the job. But those intangibles are things I think will carry over from selling Cutco to everything else that we do is we're motivated internally. That's where I think you get uh, sort of lasting motivation and inspiration in life. Mm, Yeah. Yeah. Love it. Changing lives, selling knives, baby. You got it. You got it, man. Thanks for sharing some of those experiences. So you graduated from, from Liberty in 2000 with a degree in kinesiology and exercise science. How'd you yep. get interested in that field? So I've played sports my entire life. Very competitive person. I love sports and I was interested in becoming a physical therapist. That was my goal. Uh, when I was a teenager, I got hit by a, a drunk driver and my dad was driving and I was a passenger and uh, put me in physical therapy. And I thought to myself, wow, this would be cool. I get to work with athletes and uh, and get to help people and repair bodies and and all that stuff. And my internship, my senior year that I did, I did a one-year internship as a PT aide, and it just wasn't for me. I couldn't see myself going on and, and doing that. I was going to get my doctorate. So, so I took a left turn and went into sales, right? That was so natural for me. I came out of college. I had like 12 job offers immediately because of my Cutco experience, by the way, guys. So once interviewers saw that I had this experience of sales already and opening an office and all that, it spoke volumes, right? I was way ahead of, of any other competition. So I went into sales for a brief time. I actually didn't like the product that I was selling. So my wife was like, hey, you should be a personal trainer. You would do awesome. And I'm like, yeah, but they make no money. So that's not awesome. And we were 21 and she goes, listen, we don't have any money now anyway. So what's the difference? So I was like, okay, I'll give it a shot. And yeah, I went in, I became a personal trainer and and just literally like started crushing it out of the gate. I would show up every morning at 5.30 in the morning and uh, at the gym, I would open and my shift ended at two, right? It was six to 2 p.m., but I stayed until five or six o'clock every night. So I was there 12 hours because my thing was, from my sales experience and, and people experience from Cutco was I want to get in front of as many people as possible because it's all a numbers game. It doesn't matter. I don't need one person. I just need to get in front of a hundred people in a day. So I'm in front of people. And then I just started offering like, Hey, you know what? I see you're doing this and this and this, let's just set up a session on me, no charge. And we can work on it from there. Right? So I started giving all this sweat equity away. Well, now a few weeks into the position, I'm the busiest trainer out there. No one's paying me, by the way, <laughs> but I look incredibly busy. And perception is really big, too, as I already knew that from Cutco. So within a month or two, I started really getting some traction and growing that business. And within that first year, I was already a top trainer in the company. How I became trainer of the year three years in a row is volume. So I did tons and tons of volume, tons of of sessions. I was doing close to 2000 sessions a year. And so when you take the whole East coast, I worked 
for a company called uh, Town Sports International. You guys on the East Coast may know it better as like Philadelphia sports clubs, New York sports clubs, Washington sports clubs, Boston sports clubs. All those sports clubs are owned by a company called Town Sports International or were. I don't know if they still are. I worked at one of the Philadelphia sports clubs and there's tons of them everywhere, thousands of trainers. And I was always uh, either number one or number two trainer in the country. So they would take the top 20 every year in volume, fly us up to New York, spend a couple days there, thank us for our work. And so I did that for three years. Then I decided that I was giving the gym a lot of money. So I said, well, instead of me just handing the gym all this money, you know, they were taking 30% or 40% or something. I'm like, I might as well just negotiate my own lease. So it's just like running a branch, right? So I went around to little gyms locally and uh, I was talking to them. And then what I did was there was an apartment building, a really, really high end apartment building being almost it was built. It was almost finished. And I went to the owner who I kind of knew. I didn't know him that well. And I said, hey, how about this? I'll fit out your facility. I know what I'm doing in that respect. I'll pay you rent and I'll use that space. And by the way, anybody that lives in the building, I'll give them a discount. And it was just like on. I ran that for 10 years. It was a beautiful boutique personal training facility. I had employees working with me because I was so busy. And then I just kept getting busier and busier. So I went on and I bought a 5,000 square foot boxing gym. Uh, it was an MMA facility with some of the best fighters in the world. And I had a staff of 16 that I ran there. It was awesome. We had 130 classes we offered every month. And we had a very, very serious fight team as well. We had one of the best, uh, the number one pound for pound fighter in the world at the time, Julian J. Rock Williams fought out of my facility. If you're a UFC fan, Derek Brunson would fly up from South Carolina, come train with us. He was a UFC fighter. Eddie Alvarez, he was a UFC champ. He used to fight out of my gym. So we had we had a lot of success, a lot of fun. And yeah, that's my career, really. Yeah. And I get that, you know, you were the top trainer in the out of 20,000 in that organization for three years. And, you know, after you established your own business, you became known as like the guy in Philadelphia for personal training. You were training a lot of the top executives and a lot of top athletes and and really helping people develop into the champions that they could be. So you really have an insight into the habits, the routines, the mindsets of the most successful people that were in your sphere. Can you speak a little bit what you've learned about helping others develop into champions, both physically and and otherwise? Yeah, absolutely. And that goes back to what we were talking about just a few minutes ago with mindset and every single person is different and you have to find out what makes them tick. One person might come in and, and want to lose weight. Another person wants to gain weight. I might have an athlete that's either an amateur or a professional athlete. And I always, you always want to look at what makes this person tick. Why are they coming in to work with me specifically? And Dan, I was really lucky and God was gracious because like you said, a lot of the top executives in the Philadelphia area would specifically come me because they knew my mindset was just like theirs, although I was just in the I was just in the personal training business. So while we're training, we would talk about all kinds of different things. They would ask me questions on their business. They would be asking me how to scale their business, which was really fun. And one particular client, I have to tell a story because guys, if you're listening to this, you want to figure out your why. If you don't have a strong why, it's going to hurt your success with Cutco Vector, right? A why is what, why do you want to be successful? Why do you want to sell knives? Why do you want to run a branch, right? So my why in buying real estate, because I know we're going to switch kind of into that, was when Luke, who's now 19, he was like one, one and a half. I was talking to a client and her and her husband owned a bunch of real estate in Philly. And I mean, like high-end areas, like brownstones, like the best, nicest in the city. And Luke and my wife and her family were going to Disney. And I couldn't go. I could go. I actually could go. But I decided not to go because it wasn't what I was, how much it would cost me to go to Disney. It was how much it would cost me that I would lose in trading my time for money, right? Because as a personal trainer, you get paid pretty much per session, right? So 
if I didn't go to Disney, I would have a problem financially. And not not a problem, but you get it. So I was a little sad that I decided not to go to Disney. And, and my client said, John, you need to learn to make money in your sleep. And this was a concept that I didn't have, right? Because I was just such a dog as far as working. Like I just work, 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 work. And that's how I knew to be successful. So she kind of flipped it where instead of working so hard, I needed to work smarter, especially for my future life. So I was like, oh, she's like, that's why I buy real estate. She's like, look, if I'm sick, if I don't feel good, if I'm tired, if I'm whatever, I'm still making money because my tenants are literally going to work to pay rent that pays me. And I was like, wow, Carol, that's amazing. We're talking about mindset. That switched my mindset. Like, oh, wow. So this is going to be all delayed gratification, right? So it's not going to happen today. It's not going to happen tomorrow. But my future, I'm going to work smarter to create a bright future. Yeah. John, a lot of young people that I work with ask me some variation of the question, how can I skip the work hard part and just go straight to the work smart part? Or how can I shorten or minimize the work hard part and go straight to the work smart part? And maybe minimizing it from 10 years to five years or from 20 years to 10 years or whatever is in the game. But skipping it, I don't know. I think that there's something that you have to go through in the work hard part when you're 21, 25, right? That is an important piece of this puzzle. What would you totally, say about that? Totally agree. The most successful people that I know are addicted to delayed gratification, okay? See, right now, I wanna speak to today's generation. There is a now generation, this, these young people, because it's like, oh, let me just turn on social media. Oh, I could get all these, these likes and comments and these followers and they're getting all these like uh, dopamine hits in their brain where if I were to talk to young people, it's like, hey, put all that stuff away. Go to work. Get up early. Develop a morning routine like, like Hal Elrod put out there, the miracle morning. You know, I wake up every morning. The first thing I do is 10 to 15 minutes of breath work. I do Wim Hof breath work. That's the first thing I do. And then after that, my wife and I pray together. And then I have a gratitude journal. My buddy Earl Kelly many years ago gave me the five-minute journal that I don't have a quote-unquote five-minute journal now, though, but I do a gratitude journal and I talk to the kids. There's a whole morning routine. I exercise. It's all about mindset. It's all about hard work. And then you can figure out that piece, right? Whatever that piece is for whoever it is. For me, it was real estate, but I knew I was going to bust my butt. My wife and I have a saying, we will do today what others won't so we can live tomorrow the way others can't. Mm, love it. I love it, man. That's awesome. And so you did this with personal training. You built this great success. You had these contacts you established through it, which I think are another piece of the value of like people being in Cutco is you get a lot of contacts mm. that you can tap into down the road that help you, that inspire you, particularly uh, these people that inspired you about real estate and you built enough financial wherewithal that you could begin getting into real estate investing. Tell us a little bit about some of the success you've had in real estate investing and real estate development here over the last few years. Sure. Yeah, it started small, Dan, because I was working 60 to 75 hours a week. And then I had such a young family, so young, that I was always moving. I was up at 3.45, 4 a.m. every day to work. But I bought my first property when I was 25, around 25, 26. I can't remember exactly. And I did everything wrong. And by the way, guys, you're going to screw it up. <laughs> Everybody does. That's okay. That's part of the learning curve. The quicker you can learn that curve is better, but you're going to screw it up. So I just bought one property one year. And then the next year I bought another property. And then the next year I bought three properties. And then the next year I bought five properties. And so you just slowly build this portfolio if you're working during it, right? And you need to work to, you need seed money, bottom line. These all rentals? They started out as a, a first few rentals, but then I, I needed seed money. So then I started flipping and then I did close to 40 flips. I think I did 36 or 38 flips over uh, maybe like a five or six year time frame, And that was addicting in itself, but it's also like, as soon as you flip a property, now you have this cash that comes in. So then you're looking to deploy it and buy another one and flip another one and flip. You're always kind of behind the eight ball in the flipping game. So I started thinking about passive income and like, huh, 
all right, if I'm going to get to the financial freedom that I want to get to, I need to scale differently. I'm, I'm on the wrong mountain here. Maybe I'm at the peak of this one, but I see, I see another peak I got to get to. And so I changed my mindset to just start holding, holding properties and, and building a rental portfolio. And then that portfolio, even if it kicks out, let's say a couple hundred bucks over your mortgage every single month, if you have enough of them, if you have 20, if you have 30, if you have 50, if you have hundreds, it kicks out a really beautiful thing. And guess what? Today's the second and all my tenants have been paying over the last couple of days and the money's just boom, 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 rolling in. It's an awesome thing to have rentals. That's, that's the long-term play. Yeah. When you were flipping, just for context, what were you making on a flip? 50K, 100K, 25K? Like what, what were you making on flips? All different things because, you know, I was also borrowing hard money at the time or partnering with people, but somewhere between 20 to 70,000, I mean, 100,000. Yeah, that's possible. I just sold one and we made more than that on Friday, but that's a 1031 move. So I wasn't selling that to flip into something else. I was selling that just to, for more buying power for a portfolio. Yeah, but between 20 to 70,000 a clip. Okay. And now that you're holding, can you describe like what your rental portfolio looks like? Like how many properties, what the, what the mix is? Yeah, 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 absolutely. So in the beginning, I was just buying some single family stuff, which is fine, you know, and I still own some single families. But now my wife and I, we buy small multis, like we'll buy like three unit, four unit, six unit buildings. Mm. Uh, so we have, uh, we have around, I think, 54 properties now that are all rentals. And so when you have 54 properties and some I own all cash, so I don't have any mortgage on, it creates good financial freedom. Right. And you, you were mentioning to me off camera here that it was about age 41 that you felt like you're at a point now where you don't need to work anymore. You don't need to do anything anymore. You do whatever you want when you want because you have enough income yeah. coming in from your holdings that you yeah. are essentially financially free at this point. Yeah. Well, Dan, I kind of was forced into it, right? So when the pandemic hit and we live in the Philadelphia area, my gym was in Philly everything shut down. I'm a hard charging guy. So I never even would have realized that we were financially free. <laughs> like if the pan the pandemic was actually a blessing for us financially, because like I was still working so much, like 40, 50, 60 hours a week. And I just had a hard charging mindset. And all of a sudden I stopped training and that money stops coming in. But then all the real estate money kept coming in. And I was like, oh my gosh, we've been financially free. I just, it just didn't click in my brain. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Well, 54 holdings is amazing. I love the strategy of like the triplex, fourplex, sixplex type yeah. of properties. I think you get the most bang for the buck out of stuff like that. You can get more bang for the buck maybe out of like huge apartment complexes, but then you need way more money or partners, right? And but you if you're buying, partners. if you're, yeah, if you're yeah. buying on your own, right? Threeplex, fourplex, sixplex type of things, uh, great way to do it. Yeah. And uh, Again, that's, uh, that's amazing. I want to mention also, so I'm also in multiple self-storage units. My wife and I were in angel investors. So we invest in, in other people, in other spaces, right? So that's part of the cool thing too, guys, if you have extra money and all three of my kids are invested in, in other companies as well. You don't have to know it all, right? You just have to know people in different spaces that you want to invest in. So I've invested in self-storage. I've invested in AI. I've invested in a product called Detrapel. I invest in land development deals. I invest in all these things with other experts. I don't have to be an expert in anything or everything. So I can still make money in all these different spaces. Yeah, exactly. And again, the networking piece early in life is a big key to being able to have the opportunities to do what you just described uh, yeah. come to you much more easily uh, oh, yeah. than, than without that networking piece. So cool. Yeah, yeah. And it's all about who you run with. Highly recommend if you're listening to this to read a book called Tribe of Millionaires. Uh, that was written by the founders of GoBundance that I'm a part of. And it talks about really, really, it's a short book, by the way. It focuses on who you're around, like your five closest friends. And that really hits home on how you're going to be. Like, I mean, it gets down to your fitness level, your financial level. I know with Cutco, Luke is also good friends with a few other guys who are branches and they're all operating in their horses, man. They're, they're pushing each other 
And I highly recommend if you're new to Cutco, if you're a new, new rep and you want to be successful, link up with some other successful reps and hold each other accountable because it's all about who you're, who's in your inner circle. Yeah. Well, let's talk about GoBundance because it's an amazing group of leaders and you are essentially leading the tri-state area of GoBundance, PA, New Jersey, New York area. And I know you're also on the board of directors of uh, GoBundance, as you mentioned, the tribal council or whatever it's called there. And I'm familiar with, I, I know Tim Rode pretty well, oh, yeah. um, as well as some of the others. So uh, we'd just love to hear some of the things you've learned during your affiliation with GoBundance. Yeah, I was friends with, and you might you might be friends with uh, Mike McCarthy. I know oh, yeah. front row dads there with Johnny Vroman. And that's actually how I met Mike. Interesting story. I was really hesitant. I went to the first front row dads event in Philly and I wasn't going to go. Johnny Kane called me. He goes, John, you got it. John Roman's doing this thing and you got to do it. I'm like, I don't have to do anything. He's like, dude, it's all about being a better dad. I'm like, I'm an awesome dad. There's a lot of other things like I can put my time in and investments in. I'm like, I'm a good dad, dude. I'm a great dad. John, John, <laughs> And we needed you there to talk to us, dude. Yeah. He hangs up on me and calls me back. He goes, by the way, I'm going to pay the 2500 for this weekend and you're going to go. I was like, John, if, you're that, if you are that serious, I will pay the 2500 myself. I will go and we'll see what, what comes out of it. And I'll tell you, Dan, it was amazing. You know, Johnny Rulin was there, Berghoff, uh, Roman, and I got to meet Mike McCarthy and we became good friends. I didn't know him before that. And we became actually good friends. I took him to Eagles games. I took him to box seats at uh, Guns N' Roses. We just hit it off. And then one day he says to me, hey, man, you should join GoBundance. And I'm like, I don't know what that is. Is that like a charity? What, what are we talking about? You know, and this is five and a half years ago I joined. And he goes, no, it's a group of healthy, wealthy, generous men who choose to live epic lives. And we give no apologies for being awesome. And I was like, holy crap, man, I'm in whatever it is. So I did. I, I joined and Mike was such a great influence. But the guys in this organization are all about and there's a women's organization, too, if you're listening, there's go abundance women's, but they are separated and there's fan abundance, too. But it's all about holding one another accountable. It's about extreme accountability, doing what you're going to say and saying what you're going to do. It's about it's really big on families and the culture of making sure that you're the best husband, you're the best father being the best version of yourself in every area, having fun bucket list adventures is something that we focus on. We bring in the biggest speakers in the world to come speak to us at our conferences. We have small pods, which is what I was on right before this. I was actually on a, a Christianity micro tribe, a Christian micro tribe that I launched along with another guy. And uh, so I'm in a small pod of four or five other guys across the country, and we hold each other accountable and go through books. Right now, we're actually going through a John Maxwell book. It's also about giving back and being generous and giving your time and your money. And Tim Rode, who you mentioned, is huge on giving back. I mean, he runs an organization called One Life Fully Live that helps young kids in urban environments that don't have the means. And his organization helps teach them how to become successful leaders. Yep, exactly. The concept of extreme accountability. You know, when you get around people who are living their life by design. They're setting goals and then they're going out and they're doing them over and over again. And they're just crushing. It's inspiring to try to follow that, right? Yeah. Um, sometimes it can be daunting almost, but I think that we need to put ourselves in position where we're around people that are living the lives we want yeah. and that can help us to do the same things. Like you said, the, the five people you're around the most like really becomes your reality and choosing that tribe carefully is important. And a tribe like GoBundance is a really amazing one to be a part of. Yeah. And you would ask, like, when I started in real estate, it was about 18, maybe 19 years ago. When I got serious about real estate was five years ago. And that's when I really started to scale my rentals and change my mindset. And that was based on a conversation that I had with another, we call them GoBros, with another GoBro, Matt Lenza. Matt, if you're listening, there's your shout out. But we do something called a one sheet, which is basically like a baseball card of your life. It's the highlight reel. It's all your goals, where you've been, where you are. And you show your financials, by the way. It's pants are down, like you're exposed. <laughs> Here we go, right? And I, I was looking at his, his financials and I go, dude, you make over 200,000 in passive income annually? He goes, yeah. I go, how do you do that? He's like, through rentals. 
And I'm looking at my one sheet. I'm at like 60,000. Like I was making like 5,000 net profit and I'm like, all right, I'm going to do it. So I, I put my focus on it. I'm way above that now. So really where your focus goes, your energy flows, right? What you focus yep. on expands. So I really focused hard quickly on passive income. And, and that's, that's really how I got to where I got to because of GoBundance and sitting down with that guy. And it all started from front row dads. There you go. Yeah. Shout out to John Vroman for right? bringing, bringing us together uh, seven years ago. Oh yeah. Um, seven yeah. years ago. Wow. So I, and I haven't been back to another event, so maybe I'll, maybe I'll go on one of these events with you guys sometime. <laughs> well, you're going to all the GoBun and stuff. So that's always cool. But, uh, but yeah, we, we'd enjoy seeing you at front row dads. It's been, it's been pretty awesome for me. Uh, I'll tell you, I watch you guys on Facebook and, and I'm obviously friends with a lot of you guys. And so it is, it's a great organization. Yeah. Mike comes to just about every front row dads event. And I've definitely spent a lot of time with him over the last few years, getting to know him. And, uh, and that's been, it's been great for me too. He's a, he's an amazing individual, Mike McCarthy. Actually, interestingly, my wife is also in a pod and she is in a pod with, uh, Lindsay McCarthy, with Lindsay. Wife's, yeah. Mike's wife. Yeah. Yeah. So Lindsay and some other badass uh, high powered women, they're in a pod every week together. Yeah. Amazing. Pretty cool. Yeah. Yeah. John, it's uh, it's awesome just hearing about the success you've built and the way that you've done it. Uh, it's it's an inspiration, I think, to anybody. If you're a young person listening and you're thinking, man, I want to be financially free by the time I'm 41. Well, you've heard a little bit about how to do that here today. Starts with the hard work, right? That hard work begins the financial upward spiral for you. Also, during that hard work, you're investing in relationships and you're building relationships with so many different types of people. Right. As you go along, you're getting advice, you're connecting with people that can help take you into new industries and new opportunities that you want to get into. And then for John, the main path here was the real estate path. Initially, it was a, a more time intensive path of flipping real estate, but then you quickly realized that uh, buying and holding was the path you wanted to take and began accumulating more and more and more rentals, use the income from some to parlay into others, attempting to achieve a certain level of income where your income from your real estate holdings is more than what you're making from working. And therefore, you now no longer need to work. You can work for fun when you want to. And that's a path that I think a lot of people have taken to get to financial independence that people can take. It's a realistic path. It's not the get rich quick path. It's not the invest in something that blows up path. It's not the start a business that becomes Facebook path. We've had Andrew Bosworth on the podcast that took that path. <laughs> That's a great path too. But it's, this is a path I feel like John's path that he's described is a path I feel like anybody who's listening can take. And maybe you won't hit financial independence at age 41, but shoot, if you hit it at 51, that's pretty awesome as well. So yeah, yeah nice stuff, John. Yeah, well, another tidbit or nugget or knowledge bomb, whatever, to these young people, because my goal is to help impact you right now, to give you something tangible that you can listen to this and walk away and be like, yeah, I'm going to do, I'm going to put that into practice right now. I was already talking about how every daily rhythm that you're doing, right, that that has a compounding effect. That's number one. Number two is never stop learning, right? Learners are earners. I never stop learning ever. And when I was a rep, when I was back, when I was 18, 19, 20, I had all these cassette tapes, Brian Tracy, uh, Psychology of Winning. And I had uh, Zig Ziglar I'd be listening to. And even old school, I'd go old school with Earl Nightingale and all this stuff. But there's so many podcasts. There's so many audibles that are out there. There's so many ways for you to learn and scale. And the way I do it is when, I, when I'm driving around. Every time I'm in my car, I'm not listening to the radio. I'm not putting on talk radio, sports radio, politics, none of that. I'm listening to a podcast that's going to teach me something, right? I'm going to listen to an audible that I want to learn about something. So I'm constantly working on myself. Even today, like, like yesterday, I was listening to John Maxwell. Today, I actually listened to Hal Elrod interviewing Ben Hardy on The Gap and the Gain that is on this podcast, by the way. Listen to that today. I also, I co-host a podcast. So I was listening to a guy in the self-storage space that I'd interviewed that dropped yesterday. So I'm always learning about something. So keep that in mind. Yeah, outstanding. And you have a podcast as well. 
that people can follow if they want to learn more about real estate investing? Tell us about that. Yeah. And this one is for both students and your executives that are listening right now. So I co-host a podcast called Capital Hacking, and it's all about the alternative investing space. So it is there is a lot of real estate talk. My partner, who I co-host with, he owns resorts. He has three resorts. One is a winery, but there are three big resorts. He's over 500 employees, and that's his, that's his investing space, right? And he syndicated that, and you can go Google some of these terms that I'm using. But you can learn about how to buy large apartment buildings. You can learn about how to buy mobile home parks. You can learn about how to invest in the oil and gas space. There's so much to learn on the Capital Hacking Podcast, but it's all about alternative investments. And that's really what we focus on because we want to put that in front of people, right? Because a lot of people, they're investing in IRAs and 401ks, and they're really leaving their future financial success up to a financial planner or a wealth advisor when they actually can control that. So a lot of people don't even know how to redirect their IRA or their 401ks. And again, this is more for your executives. There's a a guy I interviewed, Carl Fisher, who owns Camaplan, and he helps people redirect their IRA. So you can invest in all these cool spots, oil and gas. You can invest in syndications. You can be a part owner of a resort and an angel investor in different companies. It's pretty amazing, guys. So definitely Capital Hacking, check it out. You'll learn some things. Amazing. John, you got any other things you want to share with the uh, Cutco Vector audience here, man? Yeah, I tell you what, guys, just literally don't ever focus on one day or one week. Always have the long game in mind. And I know some of these, some of you reps listening are just just starting out this summer. So you're you're probably either in training or in your fast start or whatever it is, right? So obviously you want to have a great first 10 days, but look at the long game. So think about a minimum of 100 demos. Then when you get to 100 demos, have a 500 demo, right? Have a 1,000 demo. But work on yourself, right? Developing yourself, getting in front of people, making those phone calls. I remember Earl used to always say, you always have a decision, make the harder decision. And if you live your life making those harder decisions, you can be retired at 41. Incredible. Loved hearing all the lessons, all the stories. Congratulations on all your incredible success and as well on the amazing family life that I know you have built. John Kane speaks so highly of you in that regard. So he agrees that you're an awesome dad, <laughs> by the way. And uh, that's a great thing to be. One of the ways to be an awesome dad is to be an awesome husband. That's how to be an awesome dad. Really, everything else will fall into place. You be an awesome husband, you will automatically be an awesome dad. Great insight, John. Among many, I'm so grateful that we were able to finally connect for this. And I will look forward to sharing this with our audience, my man. Thanks a lot. Thank you so much. Thank you to all who are tuned in. Dan, thank you so much for all the impact that you're making on young lives. All right. I trust that you enjoyed meeting and getting to learn from John Edwin. Of course, uh, loved hearing the lessons of the Cutco experience. He said this branch manager summer prepares you for life. Thought that was a great point. And that Cutco speaks life into young people. Really powerful insights that he shared about his Cutco Vector experience and why it was so valuable. In terms of training and helping others develop, John talked about figuring out your why sort of understanding why you're doing what you're doing, what are your motivations. And then he also talked about the concept of delayed gratification. And I thought that was an important idea as well. Great to hear his path through real estate. As I referenced in the conversation, I think the path that he's taken is a duplicatable path for many. So I believe in the path that John has advocated in achieving financial independence through the accumulation of real estate holdings, particularly rentals. He talked about getting around the right people, creating extreme accountability. He mentioned the book Tribe of Millionaires, which you can check out from some of the GoBundance founders. He also talked about keeping the long game in mind and the importance of that as well. There are a few resources that John mentioned during the podcast. Of course, his podcast, Capital Hacking, he mentioned that he was listening 
to Hal Elrod and Benjamin Hardy on the gap and the gain. We did cross promote that conversation on this podcast. It is episode number 332. Go check that out. He also mentioned Mike McCarthy. And one of my favorite conversations I've ever had on this podcast was with Mike McCarthy. We talk about something that he calls the family values playbook. It's amazing for anyone to listen to. And it's episode number 295. I want to leave you with a quote. John briefly mentioned something like this quote, and I know that he and I both heard it from the same place. And it was from a leader in the Philadelphia area of Cutco back in the day named Tom Cannon. And this quote is a quote that is either going to inspire you or it's going to haunt you. One or the other, it's that kind of a quote. It's something that I have had posted on my wall at many times during my life as a reminder. And the quote is this, Tom Cannon said, success is being faced with dozens of decisions every single day and always making the tougher one. That is a hard thing to do, but it's an inspiring thing to live up to, making the tough decisions that ultimately make your life easier. And I love what John said about doing the things that others don't so that you can eventually live the lives that others can't. And that is what happens when you make tough decisions, when you have the long game in mind, when you practice delayed gratification, and when you apply the insights that John Edwin shared today, you can live a life that others are not able to live. I hope that you can make that happen. Thanks for listening to today's episode of the podcast with John Edwin. Thanks for listening. If you got value from today's episode, please share it with others and consider rating or reviewing us on your podcast player. Subscribing to the podcast is free and ensures that future episodes are automatically downloaded directly to your device. For access to guest bios, show notes, and other resources, visit changinglivespodcast.com. You can sign up there to receive valuable resources for free from people featured on the podcast. And to support our podcast sponsors, visit changinglivespodcast.com slash deals. This is Dan Cassetta signing off. We'll be back in a few days for our next story about changing lives. 